Hello and welcome to this new CM Medical series, the Digital Health Digest. I'm today's host, James Moore, and my focus here at CM Medical is the digital health market, with a special interest in industry innovators who are revolutionizing healthcare through digital solutions to make healthcare more accessible for all. In today's episode, I speak with Dr. Catherine Grill, Forbes 30 Under 30 and CEO at Neolth about Neil's platform and how the issue of mental health is affecting students in today's society across the US. Whether you're interested in digital mental health or are eager to hear insight from an esteemed leader in the space, then be sure to listen. Here it is, hope you enjoy. Morning Catherine, how are you? Good morning, doing well, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Very happy to have you on the podcast. Um, And to all the people out there listening, I'm joined by Dr. Catherine Grill. Super excited to have her on the podcast, um, as well as being CEO of North Forbes 30 Under 30, um, a behavioral neuroscientist, just to name some. Um, But it would be great to have you introduce yourself as well, Catherine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Catherine Grill, I am the CEO um, and one of the co-founders of a company called Neil. We're actually based out here in Silicon Valley in California. Uh, we provide kind of self-guided mental health support to teens and young adults. Uh, my background, I worked clinically for a while in therapy. Uh, my doctorate's in, in neuroscience, so I worked in clinical research and uh, did a lot in academia before getting into the digital mental health world. Perfect. Thank you very much. And maybe before discussing more on Neolth and things like that, would be really good to get an idea of your personal story and passion for mental health. Um, because I know from hearing about you in the past, this is something that's very close to your heart and and your you know reasons for doing what you do today. Absolutely. I think part of what I love about working in this field is I think so many of us, if not all of us, have a personal story and reason why we're so passionate about this. Uh, for me, I was surrounded by mental health from a a young age. Uh, I grew up in a family where there were some people who had serious mental illness, where uh, we couldn't always afford access to care. There was a lot of stigma, and I just saw how how devastating that could be, um, and also how confusing that is, too, at a young age. Uh, Ended up really starting to, to see this on a larger scale in high school. As you know, being a teenager is a tough time. And when I was in school, there was no sort of support. There was no talk about mental health or how to manage stress. And I started to see a lot of people um, using things like drugs and alcohol to cope with stress and ultimately had um, some friends from my teenagers you know, pass away at an early age. So I really just felt like this is a huge problem. It's something I'm seeing all around me. Uh, I want to help solve it. And I decided to go to school, um, become a therapist. I worked in art therapy and expressive therapy. So was really interested in some of those more trauma-informed modalities and worked in psychiatric care for a little bit. Um, Love working with the people, love hearing their stories and kind of seeing this holistic perspective of, of where they are on their healing journey but was so, so frustrated with the access to care because it was very much so who could afford it and who couldn't. And that just seemed so unfair to me and problematic. Um, So I decided to go back to school. I wanted to ultimately get my doctorate, which I did in behavioral neuroscience, so I could learn about how to build 
and validate new health interventions and how to build these interventions that were more accessible to, to everyone. Um, so I spent some time obviously getting a doctorate, takes a while, um, but also working in clinical research. I was fortunate to work at Children's National, which is a pediatric hospital in DC. I was working on some NIH um, R01, so those are the big clinical research studies, uh, really focused on teen and young adult behavioral health. Um, fell in love with you know working with that age group because I think there's such a high clinical need and they're so engaged. Um, but you know ultimately felt like the research is very important and there's a need for that. But my heart was in the implementation science and getting these validated programs out there at scale for millions of people because that really starts to get to that heart of um, access to care and equity. So uh, my gosh, it's been almost five years since I, I just left my job. I had no plan. I moved out to Silicon Valley and I said, I'm going to learn about digital health. Uh, didn't really think I would start my own company, thought I'd work somewhere else. And then, uh, you know, life happened and, and here we are. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Obviously, from what you say, they're so involved in the clinical side um, for many years and, and done your doctrine and everything like that. Um, and then obviously from where your story comes up to moving to Silicon Valley um, and then NEOF was formed. So I suppose it would be really interesting to know how that happened to, you know, coming to start your own company and from the company's birth of then, you know, however many years ago, the story so far and how things have kind of snowballed into this amazing company that you have today. Yeah, I think... I probably owe a lot of it to living in Silicon Valley. I always say like you can throw a, a stone doesn't feel safe, but maybe a beach ball um, <laughs> and, and hit a founder because everywhere you go out and, and this was pre-COVID, you meet people, oh, I founded a company, I founded a company. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, and just coming from a background that, that I came, my kind of cultural background and also identify as a woman, I think there were a lot of barriers and narratives that I were told, you know, as a young person that I couldn't go into business, right, because of my gender. So I never really thought about it. And then I moved out here and I saw so many people doing it. Uh, and I really felt inspired. They're, like It wasn't as big of a, a barrier as I thought. Um, so I became very interested in the digital health space. I spent about a year just networking, seeing what was out there, seeing who was starting companies, how they were doing it. Uh, it ultimately felt like there, there was a lack um, of developmentally appropriate products. So looking at that teen and young adult age, it's very different than adults. And I think a lot of products, especially four or five years ago, were focused on adults, focused on general wellness. So I felt like, hey, hey there's a gap here. This is within my area of expertise. Who better to work on this? I can pull in people who have that business experience and have that technical experience, but I absolutely have the clinical expertise to get a company like this off of the ground. So um, that was a little bit about yeah, I guess the journey and how I ultimately ended up starting the company. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's super interesting. You know, as you say, so many people coming in and starting their own businesses, but having someone who's come from such a clinical background, obviously with the mission being so close to you, and you mentioned some of the barriers there, obviously yourself being, you know, so young in the space, moving to Silicon Valley and, and being a woman trying to be a founder and starter and had so much success. But, you know, how much have you learned and how have you found it, you know, being so involved in the clinical space and then having to, I suppose, flip a switch to have also a business mind on and how that maybe is difficult sometimes with the clinical being where your heart is at, but also, you know, running a business at the same time. 
I'm learning every day, yeah. which I love. I think people who know me will say yeah, that fits uh, with Catherine, but being able to get up every day and do something new, whether it's talk to a new customer, do more learnings, learn about the product, um, talk to investors, learn about the business model. Uh, and there absolutely was a pretty sharp learning curve. Uh, but I love the challenge because I think when you are just working in one space, or at least for me, I felt like I, I could learn a lot about that space, like, for example, clinical care, but I couldn't do anything to overcome the barriers. I didn't understand really how you know insurance was working, how we could work with insurance partners to make things more accessible for folks or help people who didn't have insurance. Like I was just working on the clinical side. And the same with research. I think it was a fantastic background for me to understand how to build programs, especially as you're building products, right? Um, how to validate programs, how to make sure that that clinical efficacy was there, which is absolutely needed in digital mental health, but that that scale piece was still missing. So I felt like I kind of had the stepping stones in my career journey to learn the skills that I needed to, to get to where I am now. And then, yeah, I mean, it is my first business, so there's a lot of learning that needs to happen. I've been very fortunate to have some uh, fantastic mentors in the space, people who have founded great companies, like, for example, Pair Therapeutics. Um, I've gone through a couple different programs, like the Techstars program, the Headstream program. So really got structured mentorship from groups. And uh, I think that that's been helpful, but it's, it's definitely a combination of mentorship and then kind of relying on, on your own gut to, at the end of the day, make those decisions. Yeah, yeah, certainly. No, it's really interesting, obviously, as you say, when things look going so well, still learning every day and rolling with, with with what goes on and more of a focus on NEOLF as well. Really interesting. We've spoken about, you know, digital health as a whole and the platform. Um, where I suppose NEOLF is a bit different is, you know, it isn't the typical telehealth platform. This is a self-guided platform. Um, what makes you guys stand out and so different, but, you know, obviously a self-guided mental health app working with with people you know 11 plus typically students but would be good to hear from your side what you kind of identify neof as as a company in the digital health space i've heard you know edtech edtech plus what you guys do it's so hard to put a label on what we do. People have called this EdTech because we work with schools or EdTech Plus because we work with schools but we're not in academia we're kind of in mental health and um, you know i think for people listening, you have to understand we work in the schools, but we also work with corporate partners. We also work um, in healthcare with payers and different people. So we actually do kind of spread across a couple different um, different industries there. But I, I do think that the self-guided nature is really important. One of my I'm an integrative specialist, right? By trading. So as a neuroscientist, you get your PhD, you get to specialize, right? And I was really interested, okay, behavioral neuroscience, integrative health. How could we look at health from this holistic preventative landscape? And prevention is key. Um, when we think about healthcare in general, the model is wait until you're sick, go to the doctor if you have insurance, if you can afford it. Um, and that's, I think, in some ways, what we've been seeing with telehealth, it's, just, it's the same model, but now done virtually. There's absolutely a need for that, right? People do need to have therapists be able to talk to their doctor virtually. I think it's making things more accessible, and that's great. But when we talk about this huge, huge problem, which is the youth mental health crisis, there is no way that these tier two and tier three, so clinical and crisis care services alone, are going to address that. 
It's like if you had a, um, a fire hydrant and you put a Band-Aid over it. It's absolutely not going to work. Yeah. You need to stop it at the source, and that is prevention. Um, you can get to these young people. You can educate them about mental health. You can teach them coping skills so they don't reach that point of overwhelm or burnout. Um, you can also you know, decrease stigma so they're more willing to utilize health services if it ever comes to that point and use fantastic things like AI to identify early on students who might be at risk for crisis. So that's really, I think, the heart of what Neil does and what myself and our CMO, Dr. Claire Wheeler, is, are, is interested in is this preventative landscape. It's new. I think that not as many companies work in it, not as many schools know about it. Um, but in the U.S., we call it that kind of tier one universal support. And that's it's absolutely needed. And it's also what our Surgeon General has really been advocating for. Yeah, certainly. No, it's it's amazing to hear. And it's something totally different to kind of what is generally being used at the moment. As you say, the teleoff platform is definitely a need for it. But this driven, you know, tier one system, which you speak about, um, is amazing. And I think needed so much, especially in those younger people as well. And getting that prevention in is so important. And something I really like about Neil's platform um, is the community aspect and kind of going onto the app when you see that, how helpful hearing about, you know, students in the past, problems they've had, how they've gone through it. And generally, you know, the real community, which Neil are, you know, creating with all of their users. Um, but it's a really nice touch as well for just students in general, because loneliness, I'm sure is a massive thing, but also hearing about people through grief and different things. So would be great to hear about how that came about and your idea about making Neil a, a real community on the app and how that helps. Everything that we do around Neos when we're looking at product development is youth driven. It's very interesting, you know, being a clinician and being the, you know, quote unquote expert in the space, uh, people would think, oh, you know, you make the product, you make the decisions. And I say, well, I have ideas, but I, I bring it to the kids, the teens that we're working with, because ultimately they say, well, Catherine, actually, yes, but also this when I have an idea, um, you know, and I think Neil really first started off like a lot of other self-guided programs, thinking about the relaxation practices, thinking about the skill building. We really wanted to personalize things, which is where we started to become different. But that's just one component, right? Mental health is so personal. And in working with the youth, we found that it's not just the skill building, it's the education that's needed. There's so much misinformation on the internet. They don't know where to go. They typically go to YouTube. They typically look at influencers who are not mental health professionals. They might be getting the wrong information. So they needed a place to go where they could hear from real doctors and therapists and learn about mental health. Um, but also that stigma is real. I think a lot of people, there might be this myth that Gen Z doesn't feel stigma. They're more open to using mental health services and it's no problem, but there's still a stigma and there's stigma, um, especially in, in different cultural groups. So that's really important to understand. And what's the best way to start to break that down is to talk about it, to normalize it, and to really hear from people like you, people in your age group, uh, why they were struggling, how they talked to their parents, how they talked to their teachers, what it was like to go to therapy. Like there are so many questions that young people have that we can start to address on this application. So we found that by combining that kind of relaxation and skill building with these community aspects, we can really decrease stigma. And our program can, you know, both work on that preventative lens, but also be a stepping stone for those who do need clinical care, but felt that barrier to get them more comfortable and more willing to utilize clinical services. 
Yeah, definitely. No, no, that's that's really interesting. I think that point is something, again, that not many people are doing. There was such a need for it. I suppose you don't really realise until you start doing it how popular it's been and how many people you have in your community now. And on that point, working within it, I'm sure you get loads of data coming in and out and, and, and from your app and platform, from generally working the space and working with Neolf, where are you finding that, you know, the main problem of mental health with the youth is coming from today? I know a few things you've mentioned before, you know, especially let's say students, for example, it can be the relationship side, it can be the financial stress of being a student or being a young person or, you know, the exam results stress. I know you cover across the board, but um, we'll be really interesting on thinking your take of the different topics as well. Well, I think you just answered a lot of them for me. So thanks for making my job easy. Um, you know, I think when people think about mental health, they often go to the clinical. Uh, so things like anxiety, things like depression. Uh, and I was taking a look at the National Institutes of Mental Health and just kind of seeing, you know, where is the prevalence right now um, as far as teens and young adults? And it's interesting, and I think it's usually somewhere between 15 and 30% when we're looking at how many have anxiety, how many have depression. It's actually much higher in uh, young people who are biracial, which I think is important to note. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a big percent, but it's not everybody. So people, I think, oftentimes are thinking of, well, these solutions are, again, it's that mindset, wait until they're sick, only for the students who have depression, only for the students who have anxiety. But then it's like, well, let's look at the larger problem, the top of the funnel, where is this actually coming from? And the APA does a lot of um, you know, research, as you know, into just stress and health and young people. And it's really over 90% that are feeling so stressed, burnt out to the point of overwhelm. So I'm going to say that again. Over 90% of our young people are feeling so stressed out to the point where they're reporting overwhelm, burnout. It's a huge problem. And it's absolutely, it's like the perfect storm of all these factors that are coming together. You have things like, you know, their grades, if they're in high school thinking about, um, at least in the U.S., we do, you know, our SATs mm. and college applications, finances, whether it's applying to college and getting financial aid, especially for first-gen students. Um or when they're graduating and trying to get a job and figuring out how to pay back loans. I mean, that's a huge, huge stressor. Relationships, I think, for anybody, but that age, you know, it's first relationships, first breakups, um, relationships with parents and becoming more independent, uh, job search. What is my career? Am I going to do what my parents want me to do? How can I do something that I like but is making enough money? Uh, a lot has we've seen around student athletes, unfortunately, a lot of suicides um, in that space. There's been an enormous pressure, social media uh, and the, the comparison. And it's on both levels. There's It's absolutely this body image and looks. Um, and that's across all gender identities. It's not just people identifying as female. Um, but then there's also this comparison for success. What schools are they getting into? Are they graduating? What internships are they getting? So it feels like all around, there's this kind of enormous weight and pressure on these young people. And they describe it as the pressure to succeed, the pressure to be perfect, and really follow this success pathway that's mm. been kind of defined in society as opposed to what they're passionate about, what brings them joy. So I think that a lot of it is kind of that pushback between feeling like I need to do this because society tells me to, but I'm really unhappy and I actually want to do something else. Um, and that's, that's a huge thing that we hear from our young people. Yeah, 
definitely it's all the things you know you mentioned there and we mentioned before is all coming at once and at an age where you know as i'm sure who all the listeners will agree is such a sensitive time in your life where everything's so moldable things that happen at those ages you know can have long lasting effects um going into throughout your life so no it's really interesting and mentioned there you know obviously the pressure of online you know digitalization apps used obviously neoth is an app itself an, an online digital platform in the digital health space from your side having the clinical idea knowing that you wanted to help you know make basically mental health more accessible for students in in whole and 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 tackle it that way where did the idea come to i suppose create an app and just general your feelings around health and well-being apps and and how important that's going to be to tackle mental health overall not just in the student space because digital health's massive right now yeah i think you know again living in silicon valley probably helped um, because i was interested in technology i was working on the east coast with young people a lot of them were asking about technology and you can kind of think about it from this lens of barriers to care Mm. so if we were doing in-person programs at the hospital or sometimes with community organizations did they have the time Did they have the transportation? Could they pay bus fare to get there? Like there are a lot of barriers, especially for youth, you know, from, um, from certain backgrounds or certain, you know, social economic status. So sometimes when we're doing these in person things, they can be phenomenal, but they can also create further, you know, health, um, inequities. So I was really kind of thinking about, okay, here's what the kids are asking for. They're wanting something digital and had the opportunity to move out here, which is where I felt like so much innovation was happening. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think that was a big part of it, but there was also uh, frustration. You know, as I said, I thought, well, maybe I'll join another company. Um, it was interesting, you know, four or five years ago, a lot of companies, they were earlier on, you know, the big companies now, or maybe series A or so, uh, they didn't have doctors and therapists on their team. They didn't want doctors and therapists on their team. I talked to a lot of people at some big companies and they said, you know, we, we don't want to do the research or it's not important to us. I'm glad that that shifted. Uh, I think there was a fundamental mindset shift that needed to happen and probably driven by um, things like payers, you know, requiring evidence base. Uh, but I think that that's really important when we're looking at digital health and wellness tools is the evidence base. I think there's something like 20 or 30,000 now yeah. mental health apps on the app. I mean, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, so having, I think, more standards around what is the evidence base I think that that's important. I would also like to see more standards around who is on the team um, and yeah. particularly the founding team. You know, are there people who have that background in in clinical health? Because I do see that that influences leadership decisions and decisions with a company. For example, how are we using data? Are we mining data? Are we selling data? Um, and I've seen a, a difference in companies that have that type of leadership on the team versus those who don't. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting point. And something I'd like to say on that, you know, as a, a, a recruiter in the space, for example, when you get these apps and, and platforms, which we work with, you know, a lot of the time, as you say, the founding members are, are close to, but as the team grows, it's difficult to hire people into a company who have the same mission and driven, for example, especially on the sales side, I think this has has been a problem. Um, myself and my associate director, Ryan Gillen, often speak about the fact of regulations, like you say, in the space and companies who, you know, whether I suppose the clinical side of helping mental health is coming first or are the sales coming first? And, you know, it's so important when, example, a company as a founder like yourself who's so driven come from a clinical background, it's there. But how many of these, you know, different 
thousands of apps which we say are coming through from more business-led so the mix of that's really interesting and would be interested to know how you felt about introducing people to your team and hiring at Neolf and making sure that people are the right cultural fit and driven by the right things as well and, and plans for the future. That That's a great question and it's been on my mind a lot and it's probably been one of the hardest things for us. So speaking to people with experience, you know, like yourself, um, people who are kind of heading up sales or commercialization teams at other companies has been really helpful. You know, I think one of the things that we've seen that's been really hard is is when people come in and they don't have a background in mental health uh, because there's there's a lot of learning that has to happen. So these sales calls are very technical. So to give you kind of an idea of who we're talking to, um, especially at the schools, it's typically a doctor, it's typically a therapist. Sometimes it's 10 doctors that you have on the call with you and they are you know throwing the questions at you left and right. They really want to understand that, that you understand what you're talking about. Um, you know, I have a, a mentor who works at Genentech, uh, the pharma company, and actually said, you know, when we hire people on our sales team, they actually do an entire year of training before they go out and speak to doctors because it is that technical. And I'm starting to see that. Uh, the difficult thing is at a startup, you know, do you really have an entire year to go out and, and train somebody when you're trying to grow quickly? Um, so what I've started to see from other companies, and I think an area where we're looking into as we're making our next hires, is bringing on people with that background in mental health or community-based programs. So that might look like a clinician, uh, that might look like a school counselor or an educator, but people who have the passion, who have the lived experience and inherently understand our customers, because for them, talking to the customers, pitching the product, it's so natural. And I think mm -hmm. when you approach the sales, not from, I want to make a sale, I want to make revenue, but I want to understand this person. I want to know what their needs are and I want to serve them. I want to help them. The sale just follows. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's so interesting from my side as well, you know, working and recruiting in the space because sales people that do well in, in our space that we work in, it's not the typical quick talking salesman isn't going to be able to blag his way around, you know, 10 doctors, like you say, in a room, for example, it kind of goes, you'd rather have someone with a strong, you know, clinical background um, than that. So and I think that gives really I suppose, a good way into people looking to go into that and what Neil's looking for as well. So, no, I really appreciate that. And I suppose the next point that I was going to ask about was where you see, I suppose, the future of uh, Neil's going forward. And I suppose it's apt at this time to congratulate you on your award on Tuesday as Neil's was announced as a winner of the World Economic Forum's Youth Mental Health Challenge. So the World Economic Forum is basically a partnership with Salesforce and UNICEF that selects the best innovations that are changing the future um, of your mental health state. So congrats on that. Um, I'm sure you were super excited, an amazing achievement, and would be great to hear also about, you know, some of the doors that you think this could maybe open for you guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That was um, a, a huge accomplishment for our team. We were so excited. So uh, the World Economic Forum went around and, and looked throughout the entire world and really said, you know, who are the leaders in this youth mental health space? Uh, and we were we're one of those companies selected and one of very few uh, that are based in the U.S. So our team is so proud of that. We're really excited to um, to be able to work with them, to work like, with their partners like UNICEF, who um, I've admired for a long time, uh, and start to scale up internationally and really start to think about the problem from a holistic level. So how is it... Um, 
you know, not just building great products, selling great products, becoming a big company, but really what are the barriers to access um, in different countries, in different cultures? How is mental health viewed? How can we make things more accessible, more equitable? So answering some of those big questions, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to do that in partnership with um, Uplink in the World Economic Forum. Perfect. No, no, that's really great to hear. And I suppose on the back of that, I suppose straight away with the kind of global, I know you have global outreach anyway. I know you probably have a lot of NDAs in place, so can't uh, talk too freely. But, you know, I know in the UK, we'd love to have more of this, um, you know, with the NHS and, and, and different systems. It's so difficult to find care access for, for everyone. But, you know, in the next few years and the, the growth which you plan for Neolf, um, you know, where would you really like to see the company operating in a few years time? Because I know i'm sure you have big plans to reach as many people as possible and as many students and young people yeah you know without saying too much i think <laughs> i think there are a couple of different interesting places that you could go to and as we expand internationally it's really for me important to, to think about the ecosystem there the resources that they have there again the cultural aspects uh, i just think that's huge and it would be a misstep not to think about that uh, there are different options obviously you know the uk being one of them i think you know language wise it makes a lot of sense yeah. um, we have some founders on our team from the doc region uh, so that's always been interesting to us and i think could be a, a good fit just kind of the way that they're looking at in that region mental health and preventative care you know there's been interest in Asia Pack, so that's not off the table. Um, I've also been able to talk with some people from Australia. I think they have a really interesting ecosystem and model going on there. So there are a lot of options, and I think that's the hardest thing, right? As a young company, is is being really focused and really driven, and saying, you know, what's the next strategic step? So uh, to be determined, but definitely looking forward to seeing where things go. Yeah, no, no, it's really exciting. Um, and I think the, the platform sounds amazing and, and the plans are, I suppose, as far as you want to take them as well. And something as part of this series that, you know, I'm asking all founders, CEOs, whoever it may be, is, you know, I suppose to give encouragement to people going through is maybe the biggest challenge that you've you, you've you've had from founding Neolth and, and growing them through so far would be great to know. And, 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 you know, words of growing in the digital mental health space for people out there as well as someone with a clinical background like yourself would be great? That's a tough question. I think that the it probably depends on the day that you ask me what yeah. I, what's my biggest challenge. Like what am I thinking in the moment? Or if you had asked me, you know, a year ago versus now. One of the things I think that we have been thinking about a lot, uh, which is why I'm, I'm excited to be talking to you today, is, is growing the team, finding the right team members. As you said, I think it can be really difficult finding people with that background, with that experience in mental health, um, but who are also wanting to be at a startup and thinking about things like sales and marketing. So finding the right team members, scaling up, um, and again, really people who are, are connecting with our customers and helping us grow the company. Um, that I think that's been particularly tough for a lot of people. So yeah, I'm really excited to, to to talk to you and hear kind of tips and best practices for yeah, hiring for sure. Definitely, definitely. No, I think definitely for people listening, hopefully a lot of my great candidates out there will be interested in connecting with you as well um, and going on that. But no, thank you for the insight. I remember, you know, hearing, listening to one of your other podcasts a while ago saying, you know, one of your favorite quotes is surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. I certainly feel like I've done that today. I'm speaking with you um, and look forward to working together more and, you know, encourage my network listening to this to, to, to 
contact Catherine as well. Um, I've really appreciated it. Um, you've spoken on the company, you know, so well and and really interesting to have an expert who's so clearly passionate as well about what you're doing. So thank you so much for your time, Catherine. Absolutely. Thanks so much Perfect. for having me. And yeah, appreciate thank it. You. Cheers. So that was my Digital Health Digest with Dr. Catherine Grill, CEO of Neil. I'd like to thank Catherine again for her time and insights she provided on her company and its success. I hope anyone who is interested in any of the points we discussed during the podcast could gain some valuable perspectives from her role and experience in the industry. Check out the rest of the series for plenty more insight from industry leaders in the digital health space. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, James Moore. Bye for now.